It's been described as the single biggest threat to the demolition industry. An amalgamation of academics, environmentalists, politicians, architects and the national media attempting to slow, block and even ban demolition to protect the so-called embodied carbon locked within the world's building stock. It's a campaign that is gathering traction and gaining momentum. Yet, even as the demolition sector finds itself in the crosshairs, the industry is failing to respond. It's failing to address the rising tide of anti-demolition feeling. It's failing to fully explain the key role that demolition plays in the development of infrastructure, housing and the built environment. It is failing to highlight demolition's role at the very heart of the circular economy. And it is failing to explain that the demolition industry recycles, reuses and repurposes what many perceive as a waste to provide the construction industry vital materials, recycling at a rate that puts other industries to shame. As all of this unfolds, we will monitor and chart the current and future impact of the embodied carbon lobby upon the demolition sector. We will attempt to stay abreast of the construction projects held in planning or stopped entirely due to embodied carbon concerns. And we will try to explain precisely why an increasing number of high-profile and influential people believe, wrongly, that embodied carbon can only be preserved by a moratorium upon demolition. There is a scene in the movie 300 in which Spartan King Leonidas and his men drive the Persian army to the edge of a cliff before pushing them over to be dashed upon the rocks below. To the cliffs! Even though their plant-based diet means they will never have the physique of King Leonidas and his band of merry men, this past week it has felt like the environmental lobby have become ruthlessly spartan in their fight against the perceived evil of demolition. Up and down the country, demolition has been forced to the cliff's edge. In the city of London, it may have just been forced over the edge. In a scheme aimed at reducing the square mile's carbon footprint, developers in the city of London will henceforth be asked to consider alternatives to demolition at the earliest stage of the planning process. The City of London Corporation is the first planning authority in the country to issue planning guidance in which developers will be expected to carry out a detailed review of the carbon impact of development options before even submitting an application. They will be expected to consider refurbishing existing buildings rather than knocking them down and replacing them with brand new structures to reduce embodied carbon. That guidance has already been adopted by the City Corporation's Planning and Transportation Committee. Committee Chairman Shravan Joshi says, In an area as dynamic and well-connected as the city, there will always be the potential for new builds. But this guidance, which supports our ambitious sustainability targets, will promote lower carbon alternatives where appropriate and assist developers in putting carbon considerations front and centre when preparing an application. According to a statement on the City of London website, this new guidance was adopted following a consultation with industry experts and other stakeholders which garnered broad support. It's unclear at this time if any of those industry experts actually worked in the sphere of demolition. The new guidance applies to major developments, those greater than 1,000 square metres of floor space, and to developments which propose knocking down most of the existing structure. Now, if you're a UK demolition contractor that never actually works in London, I'm sure you're now thinking... That doesn't affect me. Don't be so sure. In fact, the planning guidance issued for the City of London is merely the tip of the iceberg, the first battle in a war to drive demolition to the very edge of acceptability.
According to a report in the revered and respected Architects' Journal, Labour peer Baroness Andrews has tabled an amendment to the levelling up and regeneration bill that is currently going through Parliament. Submitted on behalf of the Victorian Society, that amendment could make it mandatory for all demolitions to require planning permission. Victorian Society Director Joe O'Donnell said many historic buildings had already been flattened through permitted development and that, in any case, demolition of any building was problematic during a climate and housing emergency. In the middle of both climate and housing emergencies we must focus on reusing our existing buildings, rather than allowing them to be demolished without local communities having any say on what buildings stay or go. We hope the government will take this opportunity to support our amendment. If it is serious about meeting its own legally binding net zero target, we need to end the constant cycle of demolition and rebuild as soon as possible. Even as that bill amendment is under discussion, the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, or the RICS, is working on the second edition of its influential professional standard, the RICS Whole Life Carbon Assessment for the Built Environment. According to the RICS, the updated version of the standard will provide a consistent approach to calculating whole life carbon emissions within the built environment. At the time of recording this podcast, it's not clear if any of the demolition trade bodies have been invited to contribute to the consultation. I'd like to think that they have, but it's starting to feel like the die has already been cast. The environmental lobby has momentum and public support on its side. Does the demolition industry carry the influence and the heft required to turn the tide? Just one final thought on this subject, at least for now. When you look at the skyline of the City of London, it speaks of a city that is modern and dynamic. The walkie-talkie, the cheese grater, the gherkin, and many more besides. They signify a capital city of modernity and of the future. With these new obstacles to demolition and new build now in place, those iconic buildings could so easily become a monument to a bygone age. An age in which architects, developers and construction companies could fulfil their wildest fantasies. An age in which demolition companies were free to ply their trade. That age, it appears, is coming to an end.